G'day, and welcome to the Hunter's Campfire Podcast. My name's Mark, and along with good mate Ian, we're here to help with all things hunting. If you're looking to start but don't know where to begin, you want to make the most of your next trip away, or even plan a hunt of a lifetime, we've got something for you. You'll find our podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, and plenty of others. And if you want more, head over to our YouTube channel, The Hunter's Campfire, where we have plenty of how-to and hunting videos, along with the full video production of every podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and good hunting. Do you want to kick off? Do you want me to do it? Do you want to do it? Yeah, sure. Let's go. Yep, let's get into it. So um, welcome everybody to another episode of the Hunters Campfire podcast and uh, it's uh, yeah, lots going on as we get ready for the raw and rut periods up this way but um, before we get into that, um, welcome Mark, uh, co-host to the, to the podcast, uh, good to see you back again. Hey, hey and, guys. And we've got uh, Mark Banaziak with us. Hey, welcome Mark, thanks for joining us, I know it's late mate. No worries, thanks for having me. Oh, no, it's been great. We've been uh, trying to get you here for for a few weeks, but we finally got the diaries to sort up. So, so that's great. What's going on in the world? Um, I'm gonna. I don't know if I'm gonna call. It's gonna have to be Mark V and Mark. Well, oh, that's gonna get complicated as well. <laughs> Mark Vanden Bogart. What's happening that's in me. the week? My my mother would be proud of that pronunciation. Thank you very much. Ah, uh, look, the big news for me. Oh, well, no, big news. But was big news for me is I went hunting last week. And so I hunted Monday through Thursday down at Severn State Forest. Thank you, Mark Benaziak, for allowing public land hunting in New South Wales and allowing us Queenslanders across the border yeah. to do it. That park's <laughs> well, almost man. our property, you know that, don't you? That Severn is basically <laughs> almost almost I, property. I had but, yeah. somebody I had somebody the other day on the um on our on our podcast chat. Um, asking us politely to bugger off out of the park for a little while so someone else could have a turn. Oh, well. <laughs> As if we were booking it all up. Yeah. You sneeze, you lose. Uh, so, yeah, we were there four days. I arrived Monday. Um, the reason why we did that was. Uh, as Queenslanders will know, we had a, what I refer to politely as the milder variant extension to the school holidays. So, we had two weeks of extra school holidays for the bug. And on the Monday morning, I dropped my sons off at school and uh, said goodbye to my wife and went headed south. So we got there about one, uh, set up and hunted through those uh, the three days. It was tough going. It's always a tough place to hunt, especially in summer. But we got on them early-ish Thursday morning. So we, we managed to put some animals in the freezer but more importantly i suppose we saw well technically we didn't see you saw game on the first day but we mm. saw game every day so we and uh, we saw pigs too or pig which is always an exciting thing for me you know knowing how much of a deer hunting slash pig hunting aficionado i am so yeah we're pretty happy about that did a lot of k's a lot of climbing um got really up into the as into the rock country uh, had a really good time. We uh, and those who are listening, it's hard, it's weird because we're talking about something that will probably there's a video for it and it'll probably be released before this podcast, so it's kind of out of sync. But we also as managed to record a podcast while we was, we were hunting, which was really good fun, and it's going to be mm. see, interesting to see how that actually turns out. So we actually did kind of close to a campfire podcast. It was kind of close. Yep. 
Well, it's kind of, you can yep. see it in the background. Yeah, you could. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Anyway, that was good, and uh, it was a bit of a chaos of tangled mess. We show up with the toys and the cables and the wires and the dog to trip everything up and and That's all right. of those sorts of things, and we we managed to get one sorted out. So I'm looking forward to putting that together. Uh, my week, um, I, I I decided to take on small game hunting, and I've decided to take on cooking of said small game. I've never eaten hare in my life. I'm not sure I'm looking forward to it, but um, I'm going to give it a crack because they're running around all over the place. And uh, I watched this um, this uh, European chef who who cooks for you know very famous people. Um, he did a video on on YouTube about uh, about cooking here. He said it was one of his go to game meats if he was going to cook a fantastic meal for somebody. He said uh, you know better and and um, uh, more refined than venison and with a, with a nicer flavour. And I, and I thought well if, if that's the truth, I'm going to have a go at that. Um, I put that up on the page the other day and I've had mixed comments uh most people saying you're freaking mad um why would you bother doing that and but i'm going to do it i'm going to cook it five or six different ways and see if i can make it taste any good and i'll leave the brick out of the water as somebody said i should um i should add that as an ingredient you'll know the story about the brick um mark what's what's happening uh in in uh, new south wales um well it's just been fairly busy we um i was just down in beta for a a by-election down there and I um, was able to sneak away across the, the border into Victoria um, one afternoon for a sneaky, sneaky mm. samba hunt, um, but no, no such luck nailing one, but um, it was good just to be out out down there. I was out on uh, the, the coast near Marlow on a private property down there. I, I, um, a mate got me on there. So, um, but yeah, it was it was good just to be out and going for a walk. But um, yeah, no such luck nailing one. They were they were too smart for me this time. Mm. Um, but yeah, look back in Parliament uh, this this week, um, our lower house guys are sitting in in Parliament this week. But we're we're starting to sit next week. Um, you Queenslanders probably wouldn't understand that because you only have one house. Mm, so sure. <laughs> in New South Wales, we have two to play with. Um, yeah, so. Um, yeah, fairly busy. Um, good to get away. Good to get out of that for a for a hunt, though. Yeah, yeah, it is good. Um, and I've I've also got a state state forest hunt planned with my um, club next week. Um, at the end of a, a long sitting week, I'm going to head out to the Central West, out nice. in the over on way, and see what we can see what we can find out there. Great. Before before I get into um, who you are, for those that don't know who you are. Um, you've alluded to a fair bit of that already, but um, I'll run through a, a brief bio that I've found. Hopefully, it's up to date. Um, where where is your um where who where is your local hunting club? What what is your local hunting club? Oh, it's um, Illawarra Hunting Club. Oh, yeah. um, we started it in about 20, 2016. Um, it started with me, my brother-in-law, and two mates as a more of a drinking club in my brother-in-law's garage. <laughs> <laughs> while while we waited for the New South Wales Firearms Registry to approve our our club approval, we we had um, DPI were fairly quick. They were back within a couple of weeks, and same with fair trading. But yeah, the firearms registry really dragged the chain. I think it was like six weeks mm. um, to get anything back before we could start doing firearms tests and taking on members. So yeah so starting 2016 and i think we're now we're sitting over 800 members so it's it's very yeah. well known yeah it's very that, well known is that a good or a bad thing no well i think it's a good thing uh, no no i'm yeah, not, I'm not look, knowing it for the wrong thing i just see it come up all over the place so 
Yeah, yeah, we're sort of very, you know, we we set it up that way to be sort of fairly loud and proud and, um, you know, doing a lot of shows and we, we sort of have that saying, well, if we're going to, if we're going to go and do these things, we're just going to go out balls out and, and just, you know, really promote it. So we've got, you know, club merchandise, club branded gazebos. Mm. You know, we've got a, a stack of club sponsors that we, um, you know, that give our members discounts at their stores and products, et cetera, and, you know, do a bit of cross promotion with those, those sponsors. And yeah, look, it's, it seems to work and, um, we really set it up to so the focus on the social side of hunting, you know, which just sounds a bit weird because everyone sort of sees hunting as a bit of a solitary thing. You go out by yourself, but I think as you were alluding to, you know, you, you come back around the campfire and you want to sit down and tell tall stories and, you know, share mm. a laugh and a joke. And, and that's what we sort of tried to focus it on, try and get people engaged, engaged that way, um, particularly new people. Mm. Um, Cause yeah, there does tend to be a bit of a a certain element within hunting that doesn't you know doesn't take to new people coming into the sport and, and doesn't want to encourage new people um whereas we've sort of taken an opposite approach and yeah, really focused on social side and getting new people training them up and teaching them out out in the forests so yeah that's awesome yeah we'd be fine we do a lot of that with our club as well um we don't tend to do too much social outside of hunting but we try and have well, man, if we use the New South Wales um, State Forest, um, you know, uh, our license hunts as a way for us to get together and, and travel away from, from families and everything else and just have that consolidated bit of time um, with each other. And that's a great place for new for new hunters to come in. So it's a great a great asset you've got down there. It's really yeah, good. Yeah, and it's, it's an easy way to introduce people into it. You know, you're not, you're not running the risk of burning you know, one of your private properties that you've got access to um, because you're constantly bombarding them with new people or, you know, a new person does something silly. It's, it's yeah, it's a nice way to introduce people into the, into mm. the park zone. Oh, very good. Well, I, I have a bio here that I just want to read through um, and I'll probably stop after every paragraph because it's kind of come up with some conversation anyway so it's from the um shooters fishers, fishers and farmers website so i'm assuming it's up to date um talks uh, initially about you being a high school teacher with 15 years experience in new south wales public schools receiving recognition at both a regional and ministerial level for excellence in education delivery are you you're still a teacher you are busy no no i had to give that up actually uh, something about you can't have two government jobs at the same oh, is that time right yeah yeah so I, yeah i had to i actually had to resign my position pretty much the day that the vote was coming down to decide whether i was actually elected or not so that was a little bit daunting mm, i bet yeah and then they delayed the vote by um it was the vote was supposed to come down on the friday and then they delayed the vote to monday and i already i'd already tendered my resignation so wasn't yeah, it a no. bit of a case of here's my resignation boss but don't Just read it hang until on monday. to that <laughs> Yeah, there was a there was a bit of that. Um, people on my office sort of joke about it now. They're saying, "Oh, you, you were never, you were sort of never in doubt, but you were panicking." But um, yeah, yeah. So that yeah, so that yeah, that is that is that part of the bio is correct. Yeah. Okay. And um, whereabouts did you teach? Um, I did. I started out did about five six years out in Western Sydney. Uh, mm -hmm. Got time off for good behaviour and. 
got a job back down on the coast where I live uh, in Wollongong. Um, did gotcha. six six years at a school uh, down in the uh, Dapto area, and then got a promotion up a little bit close to home um, as a head teacher, and then was doing sort of relieving deputy um, and relieving principal work um, towards the end of of when I decided to pack it in and get into politics. But it turns out that teachers can be good people. There you go. I never thought that when I was a student. But you're the second. You're the second teacher that we've teacher. had here as a uh, you know on the podcast. Um, yeah, Dylan was a was a, a top bloke as well and brought a lot of his outdoor world into the classroom. Um, have, you, have you managed to do much of that in your in your world of teaching? Because obviously it's crossed over with your hunting life. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Well, I was one of my subjects was geography, so it sort of really fitted really well. So I. I actually talked to the kids about what the environment looked like outside of Google. Um, hmm. And yeah, did a lot of stuff ab about, you know, introduced species and also just sort of native and, and um, introduced species sort of adaptations and, and just how, you know, they actually interacted in the wild and, you know, the importance of obviously managing, uh, managing the environment in a, in a, in an active way and not just locking it up and leaving it um mm. yeah so look um i think the kids in kids enjoyed that i i started actually recruiting a few other teachers into into hunting and and, and shooting as well I, I sort of joked that we had a bit of a militia going at, at uh, <laughs> my locals my last local school we had uh, you know that about, probably be a bad choice of words but yeah, <laughs> yeah possibly um upon reflection Upon reflection, yeah, it was, was a uh, honor. We, uh... it was a small gathering of uh, like-minded people. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's great. It's always an interesting topic when you talk about how to bring the conversation of hunting into the workplace, especially the modern corporate workplace. Um, you know, I work for a large corporation, and I've never been shy to talk about it. And my team knows exactly what goes on uh, when I disappear. You know, early on a Friday, and am not seen for the rest of the day. Um, but it's an easy topic to talk about when you're when you're upfront about it, and we often have people ask um, how to get access to more hunting land, and you know, especially up in Queensland where we don't have public land hunting. So how do you even how do you even get onto private land if it's not in the family or if it's not a neighbour or someone that you already know within your inner circle? It's very very difficult. But um, yeah, the advice I sort of give is uh, be open about what you do. You know, don't be scared to talk about it. There's nothing wrong with what we do. It's, you know, you shouldn't be shy about it. And if, you know, if it comes up at the neighbor's place or a barbecue with people that you don't know, um, you never know who's going to be listening or you're talking to that has access to land that can help you out. So uh, just interesting that, you know, you, you've done that at the school. Um, but people are always trying to figure out how to edge that conversation in. Yeah, I think one of the easiest ways is to, you know, bring the food to the table and say, look, you know, you know bringing some venison for the, you know, for the staff morning tea or or whatever it is, and just say, look, you know, this is something I caught uh, or shot the other day, and this is what I've turned it into. And you know, like people are, are stoked to eat eat venison or eat goat or eat something a little bit exotic, mm. uh, and it sort of breaks the ice. And mm. you know, they're, I think that I found that they're less sort of, you know, I guess negative about how you actually got it to them when you when they're sitting there sitting there eating it. Yeah, it's very true. I think, unfortunately, the the perception amongst the non is very immature in a way. You know, it's this kind of oh, it's basically you know you know 
wake and fright type thing, you know, guys in the ute driving around a paddock with cowboy hats shooting at things, literally, you know, like the, the scene from Wake and Fright. So when you actually talk to people, I mean, I was talking, I went to the eye tests this week and the optometrist, you know, I said, oh, unfortunately, my left eye, which is my dominant eye, is not as good as my right eye. And I went, oh, bugger. You know? <laughs> and he said, what's wrong? And I said, well, that's, 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 that's the eye I put up the rifle scope. I want that one to be the best one. <laughs> and uh, so he said, and from there, and then you know, he said, do you, "What do you know?" And I said, he said, "What are you hunting?" And I said, "What?" And he goes, "Oh wow!" And I said, "What are you doing?" And I said, "Well, we eat it, you know." And then he goes, "Oh, well, you know, oh wow, that's interesting." So you know that that idea of the the food as a as a um, as a vehicle of introducing the, the the topic is is very powerful. I think. Mm. I think you're. Yeah. I'm also I'm also surprised about how many people when you when you finally break that ice and you bro- approach the subject, they actually put their hand up and go, oh, yeah, I hunt as well. Or mm. they know someone that hunts. And it's just yeah. like, it's almost like they were waiting for for someone else to, you know, introduce the topic and then everyone just relaxes and and everyone t- starts talking about it more freely. It's, yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's interesting. Probably right. I was on a property the other day. So there's a, a red dead block that I look after, look after, have access to. And there's been a wild dog population coming through it and the neighbours have sheep and they've been really worried about these wild dogs and I just happened to get them on camera, able to go and talk to them. And uh, they gave me access to their property just, you know, in case I needed to chase a dog down or something like that. They're more than welcome to do it. They have deer running through there um, and, you know, getting getting to have a conversation with them. You know, I said, well, honestly, I'm in this for the deer and, you know, the other property lets me take one from time to time because I manage the dogs. And uh, he originally thought that I just wanted to blow the deer away, like just for the hell of it. Um, but straight away, that turned into a conversation about food, like I said. And, oh, we don't mind if you take one for meat. That's that's fine. Just just leave some here for us. Um, yeah, and away you go. So it's just, a, you're right, it's just about broaching the subject. And I think it's important. Years ago, I got pulled over by the coppers at um, Moore there during the roar up in Brisbane Valley. You know, came around the corner and he's just waiting there. And they obviously that was when you know they run the license plates and they know you've got a firearms license. So I go past him. He just follows me up and pulls me over. And he says, "How many guns you got in the car?" And I go, well, "I'm going to rifle in the car." And he goes, "That gives a look." So he does an inspection. And he goes, "What you doing?" And I said, "I'm going this place. Here's the name of the property owner." Blah blah blah. Everything's you know everything's um you know kosher. Give me a hard time for about five minutes, and then just I'm about to leave. He goes, "Oh well, make sure you drop some deer meat on the way back through." <laughs> I went, oh, I, oh, okay, sure, mate. <laughs> you know, he could have me around a bit, and then <laughs> give me some deer meat while you're at it. <laughs> he could have led with that. Well, he, he yeah. said, "Went, you know, giving me the not the you know, the, the the interrogation." Then goes, "Well, make sure you bring some meat in too." Well, okay, sure, sure. <laughs> Off you went. Yeah, I didn't do it though. Went back. So, so Mark, um, uh, the keenest of recreational hunters and fishers, you've been involved in various associations and groups over the fifteen years. Currently, the chair of the Federation of Hunting Clubs, which has grown from thirty-six to fifty-one clubs under your leadership. I'm really interested in that. Um, I, I've not understood what, and I haven't gone and looked too hard either, because it would be great to get an explanation from you, um, what the Federation of Hunting Clubs is and who's part of that. It's, um, 
Yeah, sure. Um, so in New South Wales, under our legislation, you have peak bodies or peak associations that each like a club has to be a member of um, to actually be an approved club by our, our firearms registry. Um, so the Federation of Hunting Clubs is one of those peak associations. Right. Um, and when it was originally set up in the legislation, um, there was a lot of focus on, I guess, target shooting uh, peak associations. And then uh, John Tyndall, who was um, the first member of our party, actually sort of got in Bob Carr's ear and said, no, no, we need something. We need a peak association for for hunting hunting clubs. And uh, that's where the Federation of, of Hunting Clubs is born. And um, I essentially I took, took over that, uh, when was it? That's probably about seven, eight years ago now. And it was sort of sitting at around 30 odd clubs, 31 clubs and, and um, wasn't really doing much. And then, yeah, I took it on, took it on and sort of said, well, you know, what do we want a peak association to do? What do we, you know, we want to try and actually grow, grow our clubs and encourage new clubs to be set up. Um, and yeah, so from that, I, you know, we've, we've grown it. And a lot of that growth is actually new clubs coming on, like, like the Illawarra Hunting Club and, uh, Clarence Valley Hunting Club, which is a bit closer to you guys. And, um, yeah, so it was just about, you know, promoting, yeah, new, new clubs, new small to medium clubs to get established. And, um, and yeah, sort of, so it's sort of gone from there. Um, yep. Yeah, so yeah, um, probably our main our main role is probably keeping the firearms registry in check. Mm, yeah, um, you know, with you know doing, I guess, negative stuff to our clubs or putting putting our clubs through uh, arduous things that isn't ne necessary or isn't even within the regulations. So it's it's about protecting their interests, but also promoting the promoting the sport and promoting hunting. So. That's an important job. We don't have anything like that in Queensland, Mark. Not that I can think of, um, which probably answers the question. If you can't, it doesn't readily come to mind, then it's hardly a peak body, or you know. Or... Yeah, I don't pretend to be up to up to speed on all of those sorts of things, but um, it, it it's definitely not something I've heard of. And you know, we often talk about how um, the unified voice of the hunter and the hunters' clubs doesn't seem to exist. Um, looks like you're far more advanced down there. Maybe that's why you've got public land hunting as well, or still have it because you've got people representing you properly. Look, I, I think that might be that might be part of it. Um, you know, we've we've had a fair share of attacks on public land hunting, and we're still we're still we're still getting that. Um, and I think that's partly because of the success of you know of growing the sport and growing clubs, and also growing public land hunting. Um, and there's a a natural, a natural assertion that those people that are signed up for public land hunting support um, the Shooters, Fishers, Farmers Party, and and I think the government of the day sees that as a bit of a threat, and that's why they're doing things like getting the local land services to, you know, do helicopter culls in and around mm. or over state forests at the moment um, to try and undermine, you know, what is a very good system. So, um, yeah. <laughs> We've become a victim of our, of our success a little bit. That we're we're attracting that sort of negative attention from from government bodies. Yeah, it's crazy. I hear, I've been hearing a lot um, recently in in social media about the timing and the targeting of deer just pre raw. 
it's um it's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, and and what is equally unfortunate is they just leave them on the ground. No. There's no there's no harvesting of it. They just they're just left to rot, you know, which then brings in you know other pest species like you know wild dog and um, foxes and etc. And you know they're even doing that over people's private properties too, which is you know even more disappointing. So. Yeah, we see that up here as well. Um, there's um, a large population of fallow in uh, south of Queensland, uh, and they've had three or four years of helicopter culls going over that. And I'm not going to say that I mean, I'm not part of the conversation, but it looks this way that uh, they're almost saying, well, we're dealing with our pest problems, so neighbouring farmland, you need to do it as well. And by the way, we'll do it for you at no cost now. And if you don't want to do that, then it's going to become a burden for you and we'll enforce that that point that you're going to need to look after it. So, you know, the, the farmers don't seem to have a say in it, although, you know, they're, they're probably trying to keep the, the, the animals in check themselves. But yeah, but what if that farmer wants to manage it as a resource? That's it. Well, some of them do. Some of them as do. A, as a money stream, whether it's, you know, charging people to come on and shoot trophies, trophy animals or whether it's for meat or, you know, yeah. mm. it's, you know, give the farmer a choice. Yeah. yeah, and there's the tension, right? Um, because right next door may be a vineyard. The neighbour doesn't want it, but the other guy does. You know, mm. he can't control them and keep them in, so it becomes a problem. But, yeah, it's been a shame because there's been thousands of them shot and left, and, and, it, and it has caused an issue with dogs and pigs and various different other things. But uh, it's just the way it is. It's, uh, it's a real pity. Mm. Mm. Yeah, look, it, it's a, you know, the point there is about utilisation, isn't it? That's the whole thing. I mean, as long as we regard them as pests, then we just got to spend money on them. That's it. That's it. It's, it's a sunk loss. <laughs> you know, it's always going to be a loss. So and, and the reality is, you'll never you'll never eliminate them. Yeah. The, there is no um, vertebrate that we have introduced that we've got rid of. No. There is not one. No matter what people tell you, uh, you know, whichever side of the coin they t look at it, we have not got rid of any of them. <laughs> we seem to be very, very good at introducing them and establishing them because we can't get rid of them. Mm. Uh, so yeah, you can't. They don't go. They just don't. They, they stay. They they even you know even with the 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 well, technically in real terms or modern terms, the billions they threw at trying to get rid of rabbits didn't work. You know, two whole new viruses, a whole lot just didn't just didn't go. Yeah. Well, you. You would know that because you, you, you've done the R license test. It's actually listed there as a question. You it know, is. Yeah, it's it's economically and, and physically unfeasible, impossible. That's right. So, yeah, yeah well, yeah. they recognise it, but um, anyway, they continue doing what they're doing, and it's interesting to hear that you think it's more of an attack on the process than um, you know just uh, coincidentally um, trying to manage them at the same time as a lot of hunters are trying to hit the parks, but. Um, yeah, well, they were doing they when we when we quizzed them in um, what we call budget estimates the other year, they tried to blame it on the fires and saying, "Oh, we're just helping, we're just helping out the local, we're helping out forestry, we're helping out the local farmers uh, in dealing with animals that have sort of been burnt by the fires." But the problem with that argument was the forests that they were doing it in were nowhere near bushfires, <laughs> nowhere near bushfires. So, yeah. how they get away with it? Because no one, no one else is calling them. No one else is calling them out. That you know, the media, media doesn't particularly see it as a sexy story. Mm. Um, 
you know, I, I think at least in, in New South Wales, the the current government has um, had a bit, bit of a monopoly on the mainstream media um, for the last couple of years. You know, unless it's COVID related, you know, you're not getting in the papers. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You, you, there seems to be, and, and we see this a lot with the with the ADA, there's a lot of uh, news that comes through that talks about, um, you know, um, looking at some of the, the false information that's coming through and being presented and, and how we're defending it or how the ADA is defending it and various other groups are doing the same thing. But time after time, it, it just seems that they're, they're just proving false information that keeps being pushed forward. Uh, you got to wonder uh, how 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 many times that people can blatantly lie before they're just asked not to speak. I don't I, I don't get it. I, I mean, I'm I'm a simple guy, right? It just doesn't. If someone lies and they get caught out, then they're discredited and move on. But it doesn't seem to be the case. It just keeps coming and coming. No, in politics you get promoted. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> excellent. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk politics for a sec. Not that. Um, I, I, uh, I have you listed here as um, being a member of the New South Wales Upper House. I don't protest to understand all about politics and who sits where and what, but I'd love to know, you know, so you're with the, um, the uh, Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party. You're, you know, you're, you're in, the, in the seat at the moment. What is it that you do and how do you go about it and, and how important is it that we um, are in tune to how politics is pulled together and what do we do to support it? lots of stuff in there but i'm really interested in what you do and how you go about that how we can help yeah okay um so let's probably tackle the first part <laughs> what do we do and how we go about it um I, I guess we we tackle it in i guess the various ways obviously um we in new south wales you have the lower house uh and they i guess like queensland they represent a geographical area um the upper house um, is based on your party's vote across the whole state. So essentially my electorate is the whole state um, on behalf of the party, um, which keeps me busy. Um, mm -hmm. But so the upper house is essentially like a house of review. So traditionally legislation is is made in the lower house and then we, we take a look at it, uh, touch it up a bit, amend it, make it better um, and, and send it back down. Um, we have a stack of committees too, which is probably a large part of our work. So various committees across different portfolio areas. Um, so it's a long I'm, list. I read your list. Yeah, yeah. I'm the I'm the chair of probably one of the probably more important ones for us, which is agriculture and industry. So that covers the fishing, the hunting, um, you know, the farming, and um, a whole stack of issues. So I think I'm on. Last time I checked, I think I'm on about nine committees at the moment, which is just ridiculous. Um, but yeah, some of them are just select or select committees, which just come up on on topical issues and then they go away. But um, yeah, committees are a big part of our work, where we sort of look at particular issues and we take submissions from people and go out and side visits and try and really investigate sort of key key issues that are happening in this in the state and try and put forward recommendations or um, on those issues to try and get the government to do to do certain things. Um, so it's a lot of yeah, it's a lot of talking and a lot of a lot of arguing and debating. Um, and I guess a lot of in some cases embarrassing the government into 
to doing things they don't necessarily want to do. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that's in a nutshell what we what we what we do. Uh, what was the other part of your question? Uh, I, I guess um, how important is it for the average hunter, hunter, fisher, outdoor enthusiast to be aware of that? And what should they do to support and help and, you know, be part of that or lend a voice yeah. or it's hard for people that don't understand politics. It's easy to sit back and say, well, it's happening. Mm. But, but, but what does the individual punter do about it to strengthen things? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it's hard to be engaged in it when you, you see politicians carrying on like bloody pork chops on TV and, and you know, and sending sending text messages to each other, and you know, calling each other pricks and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So I guess with the average punter, it's important for them to be engaged because there's a lot of stuff that happens um, that if they're not engaged, sort of sneaks sneaks by. And we're, you know, we're we're only five members out of um, you know, probably sixty or so in the in the parliament. So there's a lot of issues that uh, we're we're trying to cover, but we don't necessarily, you know, essentially the average punter is the eyes on the ground for us um, locally. So if they hear or see of a local issue um, that, you know, that impacts them, whether it's fishing, hunting, whatever, um, you know, it's important that they're engaged and then they can come to us and say, hey, hey, Mark, you know, there's this issue here, um, whether it's, you know, a lack of access to a, a fishing spot or, you know, mm. there's, you know, particular issue with a state forest that's causing grief um you know if they're engaged and that then they can raise that issue with us and then we can take it up for them and, and try and get a result um so you know they're essentially our eyes and ears where we can't where we can't be um but it's i guess it's also important for them to be engaged because you know it's their it's their pastime you know um, and whether we like it or not, fishing and hunting is political. Yeah, yeah. There, are, there are people out there that don't like what we do and don't mm -hmm. want us to do what we do. Um, they're not just satisfied with not liking the pastime themselves. They actually want to see, they actually want to see it end. And, you know, we've seen that with, you know, we had the, the marine park issue down here in New South Wales in 2018, where they wanted to put all these marine parks up and down the, up and down the coast, which would have just destroyed recreational fishing. Um, and if, if it wasn't for us and, you know, banding together with the, the recreational fishermen, that would have got through. Um, so, yeah, it's really important for them to be engaged. Yeah. Look, uh, I'll give an example. Just So I'm a member of Shooters, Fishers, Farmers, New South Wales, and I have been since I got my R licence. And... Um, so when I got my, you know, I got my R license and I kind of found out how it happened, I went, I, I just joined the party and now I can't vote. <laughs> well, legally I can't, but you know, I can't vote. I can't do it. But so I just see it as a donation. Because you're not a resident of New South Wales. That's right. I'm a member of New South Wales. I, I, I've contributed to Phil Donato. <laughs> I just see it as a donation. I just see it, you know, it's like putting buying a raffle ticket or something like that, you know, it's to me. So, and I know that's not by far the, the not the, the most you can do, but I think for a lot of people, and I'm sure you'd, you'd appreciate it, membership means something to a, to, to, any, to a party. So people being members, you know, and, and, 
and putting some at least some money on the on the on the stump makes makes all the difference, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, look, mem- without membership, we don't have a party. Like, there's legal requirements that we have mm. to have members, and um, you know they've just sort of changed changed that federally to make it harder um, for smaller parties. Um, but yeah, look, it's important. You know, donations are important, but even bums on polling booths on election day is yeah. probably just as important. You know, the data sort of shows if you've got someone on a polling booth, it you know, more than likely doubles your vote on that on that polling booth. Is that so, right? Yeah. So it's yeah, it's extremely important. And in it, in some ways, I actually say to people that that's actually probably more important than a than a donation. Mm. You know, I'd, I'd rather you stand on polling booths for a couple of hours and and hand out how to votes. Well, that's pretty much a straight answer, isn't it? But that's the help, answer we're looking for. You wanna, yeah. If you want to help. You know, and you just give you know donate some what half a day every three years or something or four years and and away you go. Yeah, the problem with New South Wales state elections it normally falls within the fellow rut. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's, in a, it's in and around sort of you know, yeah yeah mid March. Uh, that's an, yeah. see there that's him working against you. Can you figure that out. A few unwashed hunters come out of the bush and sit there for you if you like. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's a shame. So um, also interested in the type of issues, like um, one that comes to mind that I've brought up once or twice with various different people, just out of curiosity, um, and it relates to state parks. Uh, and you were talking about, you know, um, you know, uh, culling of animals just happens to be at the moment, pre-raw, pre-rut. Um, there was another one that came up was um, um, they tend to do a lot of wild dog baiting just before a lot of hunters go into the parks that use dogs. Mm. Are they the sorts of things people should be bringing up? Because I think that's, you know, it, if the answer is we have to do it within the right cycle of the deer, of the, of the, um, of, of the dogs breeding. And that just happens to be scientifically three months after they drop fawns, or, you know, the, their main, pro- I don't know, whatever it is, or it could just be that that's the way we've always done it over there. So that's the way we're always going to do it. Are you guys the right people to be talking to on on how to bring that up and change it within New South Wales government? Yeah, definitely. Particularly if they're not um, notifying users of those of those public lands that um, that this is happening. Like we've had a few reports of that where you know people are going for a hunt in the state forest and they don't realise you know that it's been baited until they actually get in there and they see the signs that they've never they've never received a notification. Mm. Um, it's doesn't always happen, but we've had a few occasions of that. Um, we've also got the uh, issue at the moment that I'm dealing with um, up in there's a, a national park up in the Kempsey area, um, and they're reviewing the plan of management. One of their plans of management is to actually allow wild dogs to sort of propagate in the parks as an alternative or a replacement to uh, dingoes as the apex predator. And I'm just like, well, how are the locals feeling about that? Yeah, how are the how are the local farmers feeling about that? So um, that's a fairly live issue at the moment. I'm I'm heading up to Kempsey in a couple of weeks to talk to the locals about that because that's just nonsensical. Yeah, you know, the, the the wild dog issue is like a, a massive issue up in the in the north coast of New South Wales, and for them to for national parks to make such a proposal is just it just boggles the mind. 
Well, yeah, because it's it's certainly not going to be the wild animals in the bush that cop it. It's going to be the the fenced up, you know, um, sheep and and young cattle and things like that that are going to be on the fringe farmland. I imagine. The other yeah. the other animals in the parks are too fast. Yeah, and it's not as if you can actually say to the those wild dogs, you know, just stay within the park, you know, be a good <laughs> dog and 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 don't venture out and and kill calves or sheep or or whatever. You, it's um, yeah, it's it's just. Yeah. I scratched my head. Wow. Mm. Well, I, I saw a first time ever I saw a wild dog in um, Severn on the, on the last week. That's the first time I've ever seen one there. But then again, it was looking like I've never seen it before, the amount of rain. And the, so you would assume that um, things are moving. So so what would you do to it? Uh, I didn't get a shot on it. <laughs> Moved too quick. Yeah, they are, they are pretty cluey yeah. quick. Yeah. Well, actually, yep. I, I shot one. In a very similar circumstance, a little while ago. So what I did was I stopped and I just said, "Just wait," because it, it, it was eyeing up some ruse, and I thought, and you could see the ruse still looking at it. And I thought it might show itself again because that's what, and that's only based on what last one did, but it didn't show itself. But so it was, um, yeah. So it was eyeing up some ruse. So I was hoping it was going to come back again, but it didn't. But certainly, we certainly tried to line up on it. Mm. Well, I've got an indicating dog and. Um, I was out the other day and uh, she got onto the scent of some, well, I didn't realise it was wild dogs at the time, but she tracked them up a hill and into a, a small little den area and um, three of them erupted within metres of me. Mm. Um, uh, one of them came for the dog and got a, a kick in the ribs, but there was no way I could get a shot. It was too close. And all of a sudden they were off in the long grass and gone. Um, but yeah, bra fairly brazen, uh, which is a bit of a problem, but it's um, mm. why the owners of, of the land want us to be in there and pushing them away. Yeah, well, I've had I've had my fair share of uh, brushes with wild dogs in Victoria, and it's yeah, it's not a uh, not a pleasant experience when you stumble upon a den and they're they're not too happy to see you. Mm. So um, we also see in your bio with uh, your involvement with SSAA. Now it said what I read was you were past president. Was that state? How how's that work out? Ah, uh, that was the uh, local Illawarra branch. I was president. Oh, okay there for i think maybe six or so years seven years um and that was sort of before i i formed the illawarra hunting club with the brother-in-law and a few others so huh. yeah so i was with them for yeah six seven years i yeah, went to state conferences um you know uh beat my head against a brick wall against <laughs> old management um <laughs> Yeah, and look, they've and they look, they've jumped on board with the party and are actually supporting us now, and we're working well together on 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 big issues like the criminal, the criminal use bill that the government tried to bring um, into New South Wales, which was all about uh, firearm precursors, so to try and clamp down on so-called illegal firearm manufacturing, but it was so vague that you know Bunnings would have been in trouble. Um, <laughs> Mm. So, like any any you know average average person with a, a decent toolkit in their shed would have been in trouble. You know, if you had a yeah. vice, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, other bits and pieces. Yeah, you you could have been uh, labelled as um, you know reasonably you know reasonably suspected of manufacturing firearms, and then. There goes your right to silence. There goes the right to silence in everyone in your household. Um, 
you actually had to fit, you would have, would have had to physically actually help the cops um, build a case against you by opening up, you know, your computers, et cetera, et cetera. So it was just a diabolical bill. And yeah. Um, um, yeah, so far that's gone a bit quiet now. We, we sent it to a, a, a committee, um, which my, my colleague chaired and um, we were able to sort of get all the other parties to see sense that this is, wasn't a good thing. So, which is which is hard when it comes to firearms politics. Everyone wants to be seen to be getting tough on firearms, even if it's actually not, you know, going to achieve what they think it's going to achieve. They just want to be seen. Yeah, they don't seem to be um, supporting positive firearms. Like... Yeah, I mean, I think it was Brian Ball said something, you know, along the lines of. You either legislate for for legal behaviour or you legislate for illegal behaviour, you know? Yeah, and it's a lot easier for them to target the legal behaviour than the illegal behaviour. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? So yeah. there was a SSAA and what was one of the other things I, I read you're involved in? I, this is, no, it might have been the, the Illawarra Hunting Club and um, the, the that Federation of Hunting Clubs has got the one that Craig... Golding's involved in that we can never remember what it's called. It starts with W. Winter uh, Caribbean. hunters and anglers. Yep. I know this now. I thought when you said it, it was it was a winter caribou hunting club. Where is this place in Australia that we can hunt the caribou in the winter? Um, we've had a number of listeners now join, or a few, I wouldn't say a number, you know, a small handful maybe, um, have now joined that um, after we had that um, had Craig on and. I've now I've now committed it to memory. I know how That's to pronounce right. it. So the yeah, Illawarra we'll, Club might get a tick up as well. So there you go. There you go. We'll 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 take it. Um, and look, Craig Craig's a good friend of our clubs as well. Like he um, he's just up the up the mountain from us anyway in the Southern Highlands. So he's he's not too far. And we we've combined on a few a few different events and and things. Mm. So. So yeah, if, that's, if that's your kind of working life, tell us about hunting for you. What's that look well, like? Well, be, be, before, oh, before you go, I can't let you off yet. No, I can't let you off yeah. yet. Uh, this is the concerning thing about all of the stuff that you just spoke about. How long before a piece of this legislation that gets tried to sneak through gets sneaks through? Like you guys have got to be on guard all the time to stop the rubbish that's coming through. That's a lot yeah. of reading, a lot of documentation. How many scouts have you got out there stopping this stuff? Um, I can't tell you how many scouts we've got, um, but that, I think that's part of the reason why we, we you know, building up uh, like the Federation of Hunting Clubs and building up these other small hunting clubs is to actually increase the number of scouts. Um, yeah, it is a constant job. Like we're just at just at the moment we're dealing with another one. Um, you probably were aware of the uh, John Edwards incident, where that bloke was given a commissioner's permit when he shouldn't have. Mm. Um, the registry has now proposed a whole stack of legislation um, changes to apparently deal with that. Um, none of the proposed changes actually address the issue that, you know, one of their staffers knew that he had a criminal back, background, knew he had a history of domestic violence and abuse and still gave him a commissioner's permit. It's all about targeting law-abiding firearm owners, like trying to reduce the amount of firearms we can own, giving the commissioner... Uh, I guess powers to cease, uh, seize deceased estates um, without giving a family member the opportunity to transfer the firearms. Um, getting rid of our P650 form, which is 
which is critical for tri shooting and, and firearm safety testing. And um, yeah, a whole raft of other things. So it's, yeah, as you said, um, Ian, it's just a constant, um, constant on guard. Um, mm. And um, I don't know how long, how long till something sneaks through. Well, it won't, it won't sneak through without us knowing about it. It'd just be whether we'll be able to convince the other members of parliament that it's not in the best interests of, of, of everyone for it to be passed. Um, yeah, we're able to do that. We've so far been able to do that with the, the precursor bill. Um, and look, we hope to do it with this, these proposed changes over the, uh, the Edwards inquest. Um, mm. So yeah, it's yeah, ever vigilant. I don't want to leave it on doom and gloom. It's just a tough, it's a tough thing to see all the time. It's a, you know, it's a concerning thing for everyone involved. And, you know, in Queensland, we're trying to improve our access, you know, and uh, in New South Wales, you're defending it. So it's, um, yeah, it's just a, it's a tough, it's a tough conversation to have really. Yeah. I think it's an important point though, because, you know, and uh, I mean, I've been interested in this for some years and I mean, and much of the criticism you see is that, you know, shooters, fishers, farmers are aligning with one side of politics and other and people not, I suppose, looking at that from a very singular viewpoint and not realising that, you know, your job is to try and get numbers from, get numbers, isn't it? That's your job is to get numbers. So it, it's, and you know, the vote the right way is the vote the right way. It doesn't, you know, it's it's not yeah, so much. And it's, and it's dependent on the issue too. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in, in New South Wales at the moment, well, particularly in the upper house, the, the government doesn't have a majority. Um, so, you know, Labor and, and the crossbench, yeah, they do vote um, together on a lot of things, but a lot of it's actually about improving transparency. We have these, we have these things called standing order 52s, which are like Gipper's, Gipper requests and steroids. So we can just request documents, emails, text messages, <laughs> you name mm -hmm. it, um, on a on an issue. Um, so a lot of the votes where we're all voting together is about, you know, requesting those documents because we've asked the questions in the chamber, we've asked the questions in the budget estimates and, and we get Mickey Mouse answers. So, you know, we reach for those you know, those call for papers, um, you know, to get the answers ourselves. So that's, and so, yeah, that gets used a lot. And they say, oh, well, you're always voting with that side of the, you know, th that side of the uh, political sphere. It's like, well, it's, you know, they're also voting with us on those yeah, things. I think that's it. Why you that's wanna, it. That's it. And yeah. why wouldn't we be voting for more transparency hmm. uh, in government decisions? Like, I actually like that. I like that. Then no, they're voting with us. <laughs> I think that's a good one. Are oh, you always with them? No, they're with us. Yeah. That's, I think that's a great yeah. answer. Yeah, and look, there's some things that where yeah, everyone's polar opposites and polar poles apart, and yeah, we we won't get agreement on. But then there's some things that we we generally all do support, like procedural fairness and transparency. And mm. yeah, of course, we're all going to agree on that, except the mm. government. That's right, because they're the ones you're prosecuting at the time. Yeah. So, that, but I think that that is, you know, that's one of the for me. That's one of the frustrations. People go, oh, you know, it's like it's this binary party line type voting, and they they think no, it's far more complicated with that. You know, and, and you got to if you want to win, you got to win. Yeah, 
you've got to yeah, and yeah and particularly firearms I, in new south wales anyway i'd say well who who has brought up more negative things um firearms related is it, is it the libs or the labor and hands down at the moment it's the libs right so you know it was a labor government that gave us public land hunting you know we had to push them there but we you know it was it was essentially them that signed the signed on the dotted line and yeah. and that was probably because you know they realized that they had a they had to make broker a deal yeah so. that's it it's, it's a very interesting as i said it's a it's it's a very interesting you know nuanced game it's and unfortunately people tend to think it's like you know this or that you know it's like left or right or pick whatever side you want but it, it never works that way in real life no and look there, there might be 30 30 40 votes a day um on various issues and some of them are fairly innocuous and some of them are fairly yeah. Um, stupid, you know, you know, ridiculous motions brought up by certain groups, but um, it's still a vote. You know, yeah, that we have to we have to make a choice one way or the other. Um, so, and with you know, like you guys in the lower house, like Phil Donato and and so on. Um, I mean, what kind of working relationship do you have with them? Because they are two. I mean. This is just, I suppose, me not really understanding the full process. But is that a? Do you have like an exam, uh, the equivalent of a cabinet where you guys all get together, or, or does that lower and house and upper house kind of work separately? No, look, we have, we we have party room meetings where we party room. Where, that's where it. We, where we flesh all this out. Um, but in saying that, though, on an average sitting, we, we're up in each other's offices talking. Yeah, you because know, politics is fairly fluid, and things come up, and you know. What a lot of people don't realise is that a lot of the votes and decisions have already been made before people walk into the chamber. Mm. A lot of negotiations in people's offices or in hallways, etc. Um, so, as um, you'd expect, yeah, yeah. So, a lot of these, yeah. So we have a party room meeting, but there's also constant, constant communication with each other throughout, throughout the day, throughout a sitting week. Um, and when we're not sitting, we're you know we're still talking to each other and on the phone or via email or via Teams, just to stay in touch with each other about what the issues are. Mm. And and geographically, you guys got a huge swathe out there west of the Great Divide, haven't you? Yeah, we geographically, I think we're oh, close to fifty percent of the state, something, mm. something ridiculous like that. Um, yeah, so like Roy's electorate, which is Barwon, that's that's around the size of Germany. Um, it, it's yeah, it's big enough to nearly take over the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's fun driving around that. It's uh, lots of lots of long drives drives between towns, etc. Um, Helen's electorate in Murray, that's a similar size. Mm. Um, yeah, and Phil Phil's got a decent size electorate too. So um, um that's and that's your for those who are listening, that's the lower house sort of thing and and, mm. and there's you and who's who's your partner in the the upper house? Uh that's Robert Borzak. He he's been there for all he's been there for a while. He was uh the chairman of the game council for a while before he mm. um came into politics. Um yeah, we, he was the chairman of when our when our one of our members, Roy Smith, passed away. Um and then he was sort of tapped on the shoulder and said, Come in. Um 
So he, he came out of he came out of retirement and did, and has uh, been in here ever since. There you go. Mm. Right, moving on from the current politics questions because we'll uh, yeah, there's a couple of other things we want to cover off. Mark, did you bring your questions today? Uh no, but I can ask them. I don't want yeah, to. Yeah, we got to. We got to. Okay, here we go. So, okay, when you're with Roy on the big drives, what, what's what's playing on the radio? Um, we're, we're normally in separate. We're normally in separate cars, um, uh, talking to each other over the over the CB. Um, it's either, geez, don't be shy. No, we look. It's either what's ever on the whatever we can get on the radio station, really. Um, Not listen to the news, uh, eh? Yeah, ABC. ABC yeah. <laughs> um, my staff is probably not. Uh, who normally comes on trips with me is probably not uh, as keen about my music taste as I am. So <laughs> it's one way to once one way to answer it. <laughs> yeah. All right, then uh, the, my, my my first question then is um, uh, hunting related. Uh, what's the the best or your your favourite hunting book that you may have read or are reading? Um. I might be a bit biased, um, but probably it's a book by Aaron Grant um, on Rusa. Right. Uh, because I am a Wollongong boy, so it's all about the historical, um, not the you know the history of Rusa, particularly in the Illawarra, et cetera. Um, yeah, it's a really, really good read. And probably Aaron spell. Grant? Yeah, Aaron Grant. And what was the book called? It's simply called Rusa. Um, yeah, so it dispels a lot of myths, um, you know, that get put out there by um, the people that just think you can eradicate a Rusa out of the Illawarra escarpment, you know, with no mm. problems. Um, so it talks about how they, where they originated from. You know, it's a, you know, it's a fairly in-depth book, but it's a, yeah, it's a really good read. Excellent. I'm trying to stock up on my hunting books. So that's why I asked the question. Yeah. <laughs> you get some really good answers. Mark? Uh, uh, do you drink service station coffee? Um, vending look, machine uh, service station coffee. Vending no, machine. Register. No, no, no. Vending machine service station coffee. Look, on on the long drives, I don't have much choice. Um, you always have a choice, mate. You always have a choice. <laughs> Default to tea. Yeah, look, I'm I'm also partial to particularly out yeah out in the Royce Electric, the uh, service station Bay Marie has some uh, interesting delicacies um, when there's not much else open. Um, yeah, but you you do put your life in your hands sometimes when you uh, reach for that uh, Chico roll. Oh yeah, last week's one. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's a tough one. I uh, I look I'll after tell, a, a region and I, I look after a region of my work where I, I claim to look after the furthermost Western Council, and now the we're well, not quite owned by Queensland yet, but easternmost Council, which is offshore. So it's a big area that I cover, and uh yeah, it, I I struggle with those <laughs> station Bay Marie's. They're, ter they're terrible. Some of them are. Oh, they've got to be. The, the crust on a Chico roll can get really thick <laughs> after a week. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, 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 there's also the uh, the uh, country Chinese restaurant, um, 
where you get your you, you get your month's worth of MSG in in one yeah, meal. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like asking for the fish and chips, you know, when you're on the on the western side of Roma. Um, mm. There's no fresh fish out here, man. You, you know, it's got to come from somewhere on a truck. Surely you want the beef. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, but we we always joke. We always we always ask the uh, the local waiter at the Chinese restaurant, are the prawns local? Uh, <laughs> we're west of the Great Divide, and look to their to some of their credit, they actually without without cracking a smile, yes, yes, they are, of course. So in our tank at the back, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's a there's a I won't name it because could end in legal dramas, but there's a um, roadhouse that I know that you've stopped at. Okay, I know you've stopped at it, and okay. I was there a couple of years ago. And uh, mate was filling the truck up, and I walked in, and in the in the hot box was like those four little winglet things, you know, chicken oh. drumstick winglet things. So I said, "Oh, I'll take them." So one, two, three, and dropped the fourth one, dropped it, bang on the floor. So I went. There was a kind of like a look between the glass because you know, looking through, and, I, and she turned around and dropped it in the bin. So I had three. So I walked out. Was chatting my mate. He's, you know, I'm sitting there. I'm leaning against the truck, eating it. He's filling up the tank. He finishes, goes in to pay for it, goes in, pays for it, comes no, walking no, out. He's not going to say it, are you? He's eating it, and I'm just, I just lose it. I just, and he's wondering, what are you laughing at? I'm just, <laughs> no way. It's not only come off the floor; it's come back out of the bin, straight back in. Oh, God. so yeah, that's, that's terrible. terrible. That's how I got it. So uh, last, uh, you got another question? No, no, no. no. Yeah, I'm recovering from that. One. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, then I'll, I'll do it because I got this. Uh, I asked this question, but I actually got asked this question by Jono in Inglewood. So yes. ham and cheese. If you ask for ham and cheese, do you expect tomato or not tomato? These are the you're asking the tough questions tonight. That's uh, it, mate. That's it. No, look, I. I I, I think you you shouldn't expect tomato. Like if you want your if you want the roof of your mouth scorched, um, then you will ask for tomato. But I, I expect just ham and cheese. That's it. I think that's exactly what happened. I, John, I said, get the sandwich, mate. He'd go, okay. Well, yeah, ham and cheese, and he'd be like, want tomato? I, said, I want a tomato. I want a told you tomato. <laughs> this is a tough question. All right. Well, that's good. That's it. Um, that's the consistent set of questions that start the conversation off. So uh, it's good to do that an hour and a bit into it. Um, so talk to us now, Mark, about uh, about hunting. So you, you're in a bit of Rusa country down down where you are in the Illawarra. You've just crossed the border and gone and chased some samba. Thank God we can cross the border again. Yeah. Uh, nice to see the world opening up again for us, even if, I mean, it's going to be international shortly. But what's on the what, what have you chased and what's your passion around hunting? Uh, and and what's on the list? Where, where do you want to take it? Um, well, definitely deer hunting is is my passion. I think that's I guess that's where I sort of cut my teeth. Um, that's sort of how I got introduced to it. My um yeah, my brother-in-law took sort of took me deer hunting up on the escarpment, um, and yeah, it was sort of hooked ever since. And um, so yeah, I think that's still my passion. But in saying that, when I'm out in the state forest, I'm not particularly fussy um because it is such it can be such hard hunting you know with the pressure that they sometimes get mm. so if there's a goat or a pig you know i'm not necessarily going to say no um you know if it's a rabbit i'll probably 
leave it <laughs> and, and hope that something bigger comes around. Um, but, but yeah, it's, um, for me, definitely it's, 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 it's deer hunting. Um, not necessarily, you know, desperately out there chasing big heads. Like I'm happy to, to fill the freezer. If something, you know, if there's a, a decent stag floating around on some properties I've got access to, then yeah, I'll put some effort in to chase them, but um, I'm just as happy to fill fill the freezer and, and pass the meat around to friends. Mm. So, um, yeah, look, I eventually want to get overseas and, and, and do a bit of do a bit of hunting over there. My um, my sister sister has moved to New Zealand a few years ago and um, has got a few kids that I haven't seen because of COVID. So I want to be able to get over there and see. Whereabouts them. is whereabouts has she moved to? Yeah, uh, she's in Christchurch. So not a, not a bad spot to base yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we've, we've got some Kiwi, Kiwi relatives too that are right into the hunting as well and the, the traditional uh, Maori hunting. So mm. they've, they've said that they'll, um, they'll take me and, and, and induct me into the tribe and, and get me on some oh, tribal, tribal lands to hunt, which would be a pretty cool experience. Um, so yeah, I want to get over there. Um, but also want to um, probably hit, you know, the northern US, um, you know, and just get into, you know, get into some of that beautiful country, you know, where you know not many people have seen, um, yeah. not many people have walked. Um, you know, we have to catch a plane in and <laughs> land on a body of water, and you know, you're totally oh, unreal. Yeah, yeah, unreal. Yeah. I mean, and, and not look not too far from home, even, you know, out of Christchurch, we've done some hunts out of there. Um, you know, you might drive an hour from Christchurch and then jump on a chopper and go up in the Alps. It's a different experience altogether. Very similar to what you're talking about overseas um, in, in the US. You can get right into the middle of the back blocks up there and, and really experience something different. So it's definitely worth it. Ever, um, ever uh, uh, decided or decided against trying to chase Wapiti in New Zealand in the fields? Is that... Oh look, I'm I'm not against it. My fitness level would probably tell you I'm against it. <laughs> I think I need to work on that a bit before I. The sensible Mark over here says, "Are you, you stupid?" Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Too yeah. too many late too many late nights sitting in Parliament um, isn't isn't great for the the uh, health and fitness. Mm. Sure. Yep. Yeah, no, fair enough. Well, it's you know you've still got some dreams of getting out there and doing some things overseas, so that's pretty good. Um, yeah. But state forest hunting is obviously a big part of it. You're living yeah, and breathing that. Yeah, massive, massive part. Like um, getting getting access to private property in the water is just it's like gold. Like it, it yep. took me took me several years to to do it. Um, it's really hard. So yeah, the state forest in New South Wales is just the the easiest way for people that are new to it to actually get out there and just start. You know, seeing things, you know, mm. and, and actually learning. Um, I was probably lucky enough that, yeah, my brother in law had access to a few properties, and then um, I got drawn in this ballot um, that was run through the game council at the time to cull, cull deer on uh, one of the mines down in Dapto in Illawarra. Um, I wouldn't call it hunting. It was, you know, you, you had a lane that you could shoot in and um, you had to sort of sit there and wait, but. Um, that's how I shot my first rooster, actually, and I mm. guess it sort of took, took the pressure off. Um, you know mm. that everyone has when they're trying to, you know, trying to bag their first deer. There's 
when you when you get your your crosshairs on one it's a bit of a nervous nervous thing because yeah. you've, you've been waiting for it you've been probably working a bit hard to get it and you don't want to stuff it up um so that was that was probably an easy way for me to i guess you know pop the cherry on 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 shooting my first year um but yeah ever since then it's just been sort of state forests um and particularly through the club you know we do half a dozen i'll probably do a dozen or so club hunts a year in various yeah. forests around the state and um we normally have about 10 12 guys you know plus coming out with us yep yep so not knowing that area when you refer to the illawarra escarpment is that private or public land you're talking about um the majority of it is actually national parks and water board or catchment authority okay um, and then there's sort of a smattering of of private properties that are that are on the escarpment so that's and that's why managing the deer is so difficult because you have you have national parks who don't do a great job um and then you've got catchment authority who they've got contractors in and once again you know people they go in there and shoot them and then not allowed to take them out no, and, just... then, and then yeah and then you've got um then you've got private property you know and some people uh, some owners will let you access access it others won't um but because the Illawarra is sort of developed and built all the way up to the escarpment it's also very difficult in terms of hunting with a firearm yeah in, in, you know, in i guess urban areas um so that that adds to the complexity of it you know there's not a lot of not a lot of properties now where you can actually get in there with a rifle and 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 try and manage the population um mm. are there reds in there as well um no haven't seen reds there's there's a few samba rooster crosses um that's a rhubarb yeah um I think a lot of them have come from there used to be a a deer farm uh a bit further south in Albion Park and um they escaped and uh have sort of uh sort of bred up with the um the rooster so there's a bit of there's a few fallow floating around um and as you go further a bit further south so now area there's uh cheetle and reds mm. uh, as well so but yeah illawarra is predominantly russo okay that's good i i just i've learned something tonight I, i've got friends down there i'm pretty sure they're involved in the club that you're talking about and okay. i could have sworn they told me that they were reds down there and when i've been invited down there to hunt with them um i could have sworn they were inviting me on a red deer hunt but maybe they're not um massive deer um you know hunters but yeah anyway that's cool yeah, that's well, good to know that there's another russo population down there yeah, look, there's certainly reds further south, um, but I can't say I've seen any reds on. Mm. And yeah, with, okay. with you, sorry, with your club trip out central west, where where's where's that head? Oh man, you don't have to give me the exact location, but what's central west for you guys? I'll, I'll give it to you. It's um, so look, over on way. So there's a oh okay, about, yeah, there's probably about five or six forests out there that we mm. we hit reasonably readily. So you're looking at Bolton. Journey yep. Mount David. Um, so, like Vulcans are like it's a big forest. It's fairly easy walking. Um, yeah, it's you can you can hunt it as hard or as easy as you want. You know, you can be a taxi assassin and just drive up to them if you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, just park no, it. No, 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 you can't. Or, no, you can't. Or, 
I suppose in modern parlance, it's Uber, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you didn't you just park up and walk into a, a spot and sit, or you can actually you know tread the tread the boards and and yeah. put some cars up. It's totally it's totally up to yeah. you. Mm. I only I only kind of know that area through tourism. I haven't I've never really hunted down there. We've been doing road trips in New South Wales as family, but. Um, so I, I kind of know what you mean. So when because when you said Central West, I I immediately thought you know Pilliga. That's what, so I thought, so yeah. That, certainly those places like Oberon and and Vulcan, they're, they're, they're certainly names that I know and I know people are hunting them. And I and I think I've been through Oberon as a kid, to be honest. Um, yeah, no, no, that's fine. I just had an interesting thought. Um, completely random. It's the it's the time of year right now that we're starting to book up for fellow rut, right? um, especially when you're booking New South Wales State Forests, and um, it you know you're competing with everybody else to um, to book the parks you want on time. I can say this now because by the time this airs, I won't be telling anyone any secrets that they will be able to use until next year. Um, but um, there's certain parks that if you really want to get access to, you've got to be up at midnight booking those parks. When the day yeah. so I've just realised yeah. you guys are in daylight savings. So half the reason I'm not getting passed because it's bloody eleven o'clock. You guys get up and do it, my time, and they're gone. Um, I'm just going to hang around, hang around until eleven o'clock tonight to be able to book a park that I really want to get access to. Um, I'm always you always see them book out well before you can get access to them, and it's it's daylight savings. I've just realised it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's getting harder and harder actually, and that's one of the other things we're pushing for politically is more more forests to be opened. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, even forests that weren't traditionally booked out uh, during the rut are actually now getting uh, booked out quicker. Um, which, which is always, a fantastic problem to have, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, but it's also, I, I guess, a bit frustrating. Mm. Oh, definitely. Like yeah, places like Maragul were always very popular. They're, they're, mm. they're the ones that traditionally you always used to have to. Um, get up at midnight to book, and then they, um, one of them went, one of the Maragals, I think it was south, south. Went to, yeah, went to a ballot. That's what they were calling them deer. They were a, a game, they were something that had a different classification, wasn't it? You can only be there four days or something like that, yeah. Yeah, and um, you had to, any deer that you took, you had to actually take the jawbone out and drop it mm-hmm. in the box. So it, would, it was aged. Um, by DPI, and um, yeah, so that the ballot I think you know has calmed it down a bit, but um, but in saying that, it's probably moved some of the pressure onto some of these other forests too. Mm. Um, but you know, we're, I guess we're yeah, a victim of our own success because you know we've grown public land hunting, um, we've grown firearm ownership. Um, you know, I think largely on the back of public land hunting. And um, so, yeah, it's just more and more people are essentially fighting over, you know, the real estate. Mm. You know, to yeah, like an, I can see a way to get more land if you bring your political might and capability into Queensland and adopt us into your program. Uh, you know, get access to the parks up here as well. Maybe you'll get more land. It'd be great. <laughs> We're always looking for another angle to convince our government to let us have a go. But um, it's a difficult one. It's, it's an ongoing battle. Yeah, it, it, it is. Um, but, you know, they only need to look at the success of 
New South Wales, the success of Victoria, like Victoria have been hunting in public land for 30 plus years and, mm. and they've had very few issues. Um, New South Wales, you know, slightly less time, but still the same thing. Still no issues. Yeah. Still no issues. And, you know, the, the DPI um, in New South Wales put out a report the other year and, and fishing and hunting was like, I think, the second or third highest yeah. Yeah. Uh, economic contributor. So Over sheep. Over sheep. Over sheep. Yeah. Uh, like, there's your, there's your it's, cra it's crazy. It's crazy that you just turn around and say no, absolutely yeah. no to uh, an, an industry that could bring in that much money. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I was like when we, when we did the big road trip hunt in, back in 2018 and we ended up in Narrabri, basically the, you know, the, um, the, the, the owner, operator, editor of the newspaper wanted to know what we were doing. He said, oh, you know, tourism for the town you know he was he you know literally rapped that we were you know we ended up on the bloody local paper so you mm. know queensland brings tourism you know hunting tourism to to narrabri because they knew exactly what we were doing we were in town spending money oh and that was yeah. the same story we told to the uh the servo in narrabri on our way through because i remembered your story and he said oh you're all you're all in the same hunting crew you know as we spent 1500 bucks on fuel on the way through between the whole crew, um, yeah. you know, they, 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 they enjoyed the visitors. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and, ra and raided the hot box. Yeah. Cleaned it out. What? Yeah. There was, there was anger in town because every hot box had been emptied though. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. There were nearly a Chico Royal for 200 kilometers away. Oh dear. Yeah. Just one, just one piece of chicken. That's yeah. It. No, for sure. Uh, Mark, I was just going to ask um, if there was anything else, uh, any other messages that you would pass on to people that were listening that, you know, could lend a hand, support, do anything. Is there anything that we've missed that you might want to uh, let people know about, um, things that they should be pointed to that are topical today or, or things that are coming up? Um, well, I think I think I raised the, um, the firearms regulation changes because the Edwards, the other thing we're battling in New South Wales is this animal animal welfare reform um, uh. and I use the word animal welfare loosely it's 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 actually a more of a transition to animal rights um, yeah. more than anything else um, and you know that has a, a potential to impact on hunters and fishers dramatically you know changing the definition of of what's cruelty to include things like unnecessary harm um, you know so what who, who decides what's you know, unnecessary or necessary. Um, you know, other proposals that sort of, yeah, basing the animal wealth, animal welfare laws on these five, five domains of uh, animal welfare. And basically, if you look at those five domains, you know, if you interact with an animal in any way, you're somehow breaching it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, it's truly weird, that stuff. It's, it's... Has it got legs? Um, sadly, sadly, it, it does because the, uh, National Party, uh, Agriculture Minister at the time has now been sacked, um, essentially did a deal with the Animal Justice Party to actually, you know, try and get this across the line. And a lot of, like the hunting and fishing groups are actually sidelined from the consultation. We only found out about it once a discussion paper was out and then we had to rally all the troops and and get them to push back against it which we've done um but then he then the agriculture minister at the time actually kicked it to 
a committee um, called the State Development Committee, which has nothing to do with agriculture or animal welfare. It's, um, but it had a it had a friendly chair, and then a day after he he referred it to that inquiry, uh, one of the members of the Animal Justice Party uh, sent a letter to sub sub into it. Um, so it was a stitch up from the from the beginning. Um, so, but look, we're pushing back against that pretty hard. Um, you know, we've got all the fishing and hunting groups on. We've got the New South Wales farmers um, on our side as well, pushing back against it. Um, we, we've got all the sort of dog breeding groups uh, pushing back against it as well, because it has impacts on them. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that's probably one of the other big fights uh, that we have. Um, and look, the marine the marine parks from a fishing perspective, the marine parks uh, debate is back on again as well. They want to they want to have that fight again with us. So um, yeah, that's that's another big one. That animal, you know, that that animal justice or whatever it is, that legislation. I, I'm just surprised how, you know, that that's not a bigger issue because that's leading to a fundamental change of society. It's like you can't have pets. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you you can't have pets. It's not like it's you know they they, they might say oh you know you, you know over here sentient animals feel pain so you shouldn't fish it, but it's you can't have a pet. You, mm. you, well, that was that. Was I mean, and, and it almost goes to the, and I and you know to its nth degree it goes. There is no agriculture. Yeah, yeah, no. that's what I was thinking. Cow, well, they're, cows they're, on trucks and there, there is no agriculture. There is no, no agriculture. Well, there can't be. We'll we all be having uh, test tube uh, beef burgers. Well, that's right. right. There's no agriculture, and I have uh, you know, if you want to see the apocalypse, see what happens when everyone walks off the land in Australia. You know, it's not going back to the land of milk and honey. It's going back to the land tanner and scrub. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's well, it. You, you just you just see that on properties that have actually been yeah. put aside for so-called uh, biodiversity uh, offsets. Yeah. They're just f full of bloody weeds. That's right. J just like we've never got rid of you know any vertebrate that's been introduced. Whenever we've walked off land, it hasn't you know gone back to grassland with you know developed eucalypts. It's gone to mongrel scrub that been full of weeds that you can't get anywhere near. Yeah, and that's because the Aboriginals actually managed it. Mm. Uh, they managed it through fire stick, you know. So they they weren't just walking off the land and leaving it either. So, no. so it's just bizarre. I, 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 you know, that that's really for me that's scratching head stuff because that's literally fundamentally to change society. Is no more pets, no more. You know, that's it. Well, I don't even know. I mean, I'm assuming it would basically mean. The death of hundreds of millions of animals in fact that's it well what have we got we got 65 million head of cattle and something like about 30 million cattle head of sheep mm. so what do you do just they all just wither on the vine well, i think the point is that the the definition is unclear so until somebody pushes that definition mm. that far it's still unknown right you know, well no but the thing is that definition exists already it's just that that that's where these people are heading they're heading mm -hmm. to this kind of utopian model where you know you're in the paddock you know doing ring a ring and up rosy with a cow and a sheep and a dog and they're all loving you know they're all living in harmony some weird thing like that but it, so basically it challenges the whole 
you know, the the fundamental approach that we have to engaging with animals. It 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 changes everything on that. So it's yeah, bizarre. And, yeah, and I think the I guess the frustrating thing is, you know, us, us as hunters, we don't necessarily force our way of life on on other people. We we we'll talk to people about it, but we won't shove it down their necks. Mm. Whereas the other side of it, that's essentially what they want to do is well. You know, just because I don't want to eat meat, then that means the whole world, yeah, you know, shouldn't have to eat meat or shouldn't be which allowed. Which is, which is a very interesting point. Um, we seem to be on the defensive. I say we. I sit here talking to you, so I'm now on we. Um, we. We seem to be on the defensive from these attacks from you know groups that want to stop our lifestyle. At what point in time do we run the attack, uh, the defensive as an attack back to them? And keep them busy, you know, by by challenging some of the things that they're really passionate about. Do we ever do that? We're too busy doing it, defending rather than. Yeah, look, I think we are too busy, too busy running defence because it's just there's so many things being thrown, thrown at us. Um, and just thinking about you, that second half of your point now, in terms of why don't we run an offence on something that they hold dear? I don't know what they hold dear. Yeah. What 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 exactly do they? Well, I I don't I don't know. What exactly do they stand for? Except you know, you know, poo pooing someone else's uh, lifestyle choices. That's right. It's always the removal of something. It's not, yeah. So it's it's actually, it's you're right. It's it's actually hard to define because it would appear that that nearly the whole argument is the removal of something. So there's like, you know. No matter how often you say no, it doesn't build anything. It's just the absence of activity. And that seems to be their whole pitch. It's not like we want to replace hunting with this because we believe it's more morally or whatever it is. It's no, just stop that. And, mm. and when you stop that, then this kind of utopia will spring out of the, out of, you know, will spring out of the ground type thing. There's never any kind of, you know, replace. It's just simply stop. And I think that's why so many people, you know, and me included, get so frustrated with it because it's not like it's not someone putting an argument to you saying, well, have you considered this as a better alternative? It's like, no, stop. Yeah. <laughs> We're all frustrated. Uh, yes, it's, it's, it's just the way it is. Yeah. And mate, you must. Um, uh, Take my hat off to you because you have must have this conversation all the time. So um, look, I appreciate you coming on, and rehashing it. It's um, it's been a really good conversation, and I know a lot of people will get a lot out of it. Um, I know that um, I hadn't considered the fact that um, the voting happens while we're all up in the bush. So maybe may, maybe there is a campaign to us all to come down out of the out of the bush, uh, the greater unwashed, demolishing the Chico roll and sitting on a polling booth for. For a day, that's that's not too much to ask, surely. Yeah, well, if we try and sell it as it's 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 one day out of three hundred and sixty-five, so you can hunt those other three hundred and sixty-four days. Absolutely, yeah, and it's yeah. only once every four years too. So it's once not every, yeah, once every four years. Yeah, so yeah. it's not even it's not even one year. So it's, it and be, I think it should be campaigned. Is, it should be campaigned through every hunting club that uses New South Wales state land. There's no yeah. reason why. 100 members from a branch in Queensland can't go and support that initiative. Um, something I hadn't even considered, Mark, was um, yeah. jo jo joining joining uh, 
you know, um, the the party because, well, you know, a lot of people wouldn't consider joining New South Wales because they live in Queensland. But this is just the education that sits behind it. There's nothing wrong with the donation, I guess. I don't know if you're allowed as a Queenslander. Are you allowed to join? You don't no, fill in anything I, that says where I well, live. You, well, you've got the Queensland, you've got the Queensland branch of the party anyway, so I think you may have the option. Um, but no matter where you join, you'll you'll count towards our federal numbers, so we, which we right. need to to run, you know, a federal federal campaign. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it all counts. But I mean, I I think that you the point there, and and I mean, and I think that's both relevant to New South Wales hunters, but also to Queensland hunters, especially if there's there's some, you know, there is a candidate running in the northern you know, northern end of New South Wales or the southern end of, the, you know, equivalent southern end of Queensland, turn up for day and hand out how to vote cards. I mean, perfect opportunity to find a Chico roll mm. and drink bad coffee and, and, you know, and do actually do some good. So, I mean, and, you know, as you said, that's that's actually really, really important. That actually, that turn, that will turn into votes. Yeah, we and we have that relationship with uh, Victoria. Like, yep. you know, we have those instances where, you know, the Victorian guys will come over and give us a hand and then we'll go over to the Victorian side and give them a hand um, in, in, you know, our respective elections. Um, so there's no reason why we can't replicate that for Queensland as well. Because yeah. as, you, as you've alluded to, like a stack of you guys are coming over and um, raiding our state forests. You bet. Right. Border <laughs> raiding. I've got the T-shirt. Well, we are Queenslanders, so we're, we're natural. You know, we're naturally inclined to do stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'll even send you a Hunter's Campfire Border Raiders T-shirt. <laughs> Actually, I reckon that is a. I'm. I want to do that on the back. I want to say, you know, Border Raider. That's already done, right? It's happening. Well, eye patch, you know, pirates. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, I'll, I think we'll call it at that. It's been a really awesome conversation, Mark. I appreciate you sitting up late. I know you're you're a busy man doing a lot down there for us so um so um awesome thank you and uh look we'll keep in touch for sure and hopefully you'll see uh, a bunch of queensland number plates show up at polling day that's uh that's that's a goal of mine i'm going to write oh, down God, and, and drag some people across we'll do it no, look, uh, thanks for having us and look i just more importantly hopefully i see a few queensland number plates in some state forests i'll, oh, I'll, I'll stop and say today you should absolutely awesome. good stuff okay thanks guys okay guys no worries. Great one.